Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Of our Game Changers series. Now, here is the good news for those of you who were here two weeks ago when I spoke. I only had three days notice for that one, and I only spoke apparently for 44 minutes. So, I've known for six weeks that I was up here today, so get comfortable. And I'm wearing flats. You guys better get comfy, okay? Get yourself in there. No, I'm kidding. There's a limit, apparently, on how long they let me speak for. So let's pray, and then let's get into this series. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you promised that you're going to meet us here this morning. And I thank you that every single person who is here this morning is not here by accident. They are here because you planned and ordained that they needed to be here this morning, and they needed to be in this service. So I ask now, speak to us in whatever way it is that you need to this morning. I just ask you to open our ears. Allow us to hear what it is you need to say to each and every one of us. And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. When my son was younger, um, a lot younger at this point in the proceedings, when he was younger, he had a favorite TV show. He was obsessed with SpongeBob SquarePants. You guys feel my pain. Now, for a number of years when he was growing up, there were just the two of us. I was a single mom. So I would always be nice, and I'd be like, Jace, what do you want to watch? Jace would say, SpongeBob. I would have to sit through more and more and more episodes of SpongeBob, wanting to put my foot through the TV, but sitting there being the nice mom that I thought I was being. And honestly, I don't remember any of those episodes except for one. And there's an episode where, which is called Opposite Day. And on Opposite Day, Squidward tries to trick SpongeBob and tell him that everything is opposite on this day. So up is down, good is bad, hello is goodbye, you get the message. Everything turned opposite. Those of you who are nodding were the parents that were forced to watch SpongeBob along with me, and you, you know what I'm talking about. So opposite day. So today, I have decided, is opposite day here at Genesis Church when it comes to our Game Changers series. And this is why. We are in week four. So week one, Dad looked at Andrew, the disciple, who said, there's a lad here. He saw the boy who had the five loaves and the two fishes that were then used um, to feed the 5,000. Week two, I, I spoke about the prophet Jonah, and I talked about his story and the things that came out of that. Last week, talk, Dad talked about Joshua. Joshua led the Israelites after Moses had passed away when they were um, traveling and coming up to the promised land. And today I want this to be opposite day because there are two things I see from the past three weeks that these people had in common. Number one is really obvious. They were all males. So today we're going to look at a woman who was a game changer. Now I am not looking at, I have no agenda. I realize that everybody kind of does nowadays. I don't. I want to look at a woman for this reason. I never, ever, ever want anybody to be sitting in this room to say, well, God can't use me because I am the wrong gender, okay? And hopefully you guys get that message, okay? 
by the fact that I'm up here, and I love the fact that we have women who are up here, but I never, and especially for our young girls, I never want them in the back of their mind to think, well, God can't use me, I'm a, I'm a girl. The second thing these people seem to have in common is we have a disciple, we have a prophet, and we have the leader of the uh, children of Israel. So they would all tend to be, my thinking, spiritual leaders. And so today on Opposite Day, I want to look at the complete opposite of that. I want to look at a woman who was a prostitute. Because I never, ever, ever want anybody to be sitting in here and say, well, my past precludes me from ever being able to do anything from God. Today I want to talk about a game changer who was the, both of those things. Oftentimes when people ask me where they should start reading the Bible, what should I start with, and if they, you know, just new Christians, whatever, are, it's, it's an easy answer for me. I always say start in Mark. Mark is a good place. Now, a lot of people say, well, you start in John. That's where you're going to get a good, see, a, a good recount of the life of Jesus. Recap. Here's the problem. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wait, what? Right? It's a little confusing. Maybe if you weren't used to, you know, Bibles and things like that, that would be a little tough to start in on that. And then there's Matthew. Matthew 1 says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham is the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, you get my drift, okay? It's a lot going on in there, and it can be a little confusing, again, if that's where you dive into. But actually, there is some fascinating information in the beginning of Matthew. See, we know that Mary was the mother of Jesus and that she conceived supernaturally. But his earthly father, Joseph, actually had impressive lineage. And Matthew actually traces Joseph's lineage all the way back to the father of the Jewish nation, Abraham. So we can trace it back, and, and you know, there, nothing is in the Bible by accident, so this is part of why it's right there in Matthew to prove Jesus' lineage. But we can trace Joseph all the way back to Abraham. And you go on in that verse, Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Okay, so here we have where King David fits into this. Okay, so here we have King David, whose father was Jesse, whose father was Obed, whose father was Boaz, whose parents were Solomon and Rahab. So, David's great-great-grandparents went by the name of Salmon and Rahab. And we don't really know that much about Salmon. There's not much about him in the Bible. But we do know about Rahab. See, this woman who was in the earthly family line of Joseph, this woman who was part of the earthly family that God chose for his son when his son came to be born, she actually wasn't royalty. She wasn't a religious leader. 
She wasn't a leader in society. This woman was a prostitute in the city of Jericho in the times of Joshua. So we have Canaan here, was this evil, godless land. And right at the entry to this land stood this huge city of Jericho. It was the most godless city in the most godless land. And in that city was Rahab. So possibly the most godless person in the most godless city in a godless land. And here we find how God took the unlikeliest of characters and turned her into a game changer. Because it's not who we are, but who we can be. Not who you are, it's who you can be. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to go in and out of that story, but it's found in the book of Joshua. So if you have a little extra time, you might want to pick it up there and you'll be able to read some of what is happening. So the children of Israel were delivered from slavery in Egypt and they were promised a new land. But for 40 years, they wandered in the desert, okay, enduring different challenges. And they finally get to what they are told is the promised land. But right in front of them, blocking their way, is this huge walled city of Jericho. Again, I am simplifying the story. I really encourage you to go read it. You will see a lot more to it. So Joshua, who at this point has taken over from Moses, Moses has passed away and he's leading them, decides that he's going to send in two spies. And he's going to send two spies into the city to check it out and see if there's any way at all for them to get through there and to move on um, to the promised land. And then we find in Joshua 2, verse 1, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. So apparently Rahab had a house that was built into the city walls, possibly a guest house, possibly something else. Okay, so she had a house that was built right there into the city walls. And we don't know how they ended up there. Well, we do. God guided them, and that was how they came. And they found themselves in, the, in this um, house of Rahab. So here they are. They find themselves with this prostitute, and she is going to actually save their lives. She is saving their lives because they are able to stay in our house. Oftentimes when she's referred to, Rahab is referred to as Rahab the harlot. That was the label that she carried. That was what she was known as. She was known as that. And there's an important truth to be grasped here. There's an important truth to be gathered from this. And this is what I really, really want to encourage you with this morning. Never let labels affect how God can use you. Never let labels affect how you think God can use you. Never let the things you have done in the past, and I don't know everybody's past here, but I'm guessing there may be some tough stories in here. Never let what has happened in the past affect how you think God can use you. Never let things that have been done to you affect how you think God can use you. God has a purpose for every single person that is in here today. See, 
Not one of us has an unblemished past. We all have stains in our past. But if you look at some of the people that God used in the Bible, it's pretty incredible. But I'm blown away by the fact that God promises that when I put my faith in him, when I put my trust in him, when I accept him into my life, that's all gone. The past does not matter anymore. He then is looking to the future. He's looking to the things that I can do. See, 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it the best. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. From that point on, God is no longer concerned with what the past was, what happened in the past, what you've done, the labels you've worn, the labels you may have given yourself, the labels other people may have given you. They do not matter at that point. You become a new creation at, at that point. In fact, 1 John says this, and this is, uh, it, sorry, John, it's not there as you look for it. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God. That's the only label that you need to ever, ever worry about once you become a part of his family. I am now a child of God. That's the only label I need because we all know, those of us in this room who are parents know that as parents, we want, our role in life is for what is best for my child. So you know what? If I'm God's kid, if I'm God's child, guess what? He's looking out for me. He wants at that time whatever is best for me. That is the only label. Doesn't matter what other people says. It's what God says about me. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We never need to worry about what has happened in the past because once God keep, starts working on us, he's going to keep going and he's going to keep working and he's going to complete whatever it is that we started. In Luke, we actually see an interaction between Jesus and a woman who had, in some translations it said, lived a sinful life. So we see this uh, here, and in Luke 7, one of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed him, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was the prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is falling all over him. We know Jesus knew. Jesus knew exactly who she was. Jesus knew exactly what labels she wore. Jesus knew exactly what she had done. But guess what? He also knew it wasn't about who she'd been. It was all about who she could become. He knows who we are. He knows what labels we've worn. He knows what we've done in the past. He knows what has been done to us in the past. And he knows that it's nothing to do with our past because he is more interested 
in the game changer that we can become. Luke 7, 48 says this. It says, then he spoke to her, I forgive your sins. And you may be sitting here this morning and others may have written you off because of your past and because of your labels. And others may not have time for you anymore and others may look down on you. Other Christians may have looked down on you and despised you for the things that you have done. And you may have assumed yourself that God could never use someone who's done the things that you've done. But today, I just really, really, really want to remind you, God sees, God knows, and he still wants to make each and every one of us a game changer. He has a role for you, no matter what has happened. He has a place for you. He has things he wants you to do. No matter what the labels are that you may have worn. Isaiah 62, 4. No more will anyone call you rejected, and your country will no more be called ruined. You'll be called Hephzibah, my delight, and your land Beulah, married, because God delights in you. God delights in you. You. You, you, sorry, can't do the whole room, but you know what I'm saying. Every single person sitting here this morning, no matter what you may have done in the past, and let me just say when I say the past, past refers to yesterday, last week. Past is not a long ago thing. It can be a recent thing. But no matter where you have been, God calls you his child, and he delights in you. There is nothing that you have done that precludes you from what God wants to do with you. Rahab may have been a prostitute, but we know that she came to be in direct lineage with Jesus' earthly family. She's right there listed in Matthew. In fact, she's also listed in what is referred to as kind of the Old Testament Hall of Fame. And that's um, it found in uh, Hebrews 11, where Paul talks about great people like Abraham, Noah, Enoch. There's a whole bunch of them. And in Hebrews 11:31, he also lists her. And he says this, By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. She was listed right there in Hebrews. In fact, Paul names her, but then says he doesn't have to time to talk about others like David and Samuel and other prophets. He made a point of making sure that she was listed there. See, Rahab shows us that anybody can be a game changer. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, it's all about what we can become. And that's what God looks at. So let's dive a little deeper into her story. So we go back to Joshua 2. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. Apparently these spies were not Jason Bourne quality spies, okay? Because it was pretty obvious they got found out right away. The king of Jericho knew that they were there. So here's the thing. Despite being in the most fortified city in the nation, and despite 
the children of Israel really being a bedraggled crowd by this point, not really an army, Rahab then confesses to the spies that she thinks that Jericho is going to fall and she would like their help when that happens. And she goes on in Joshua 2.9, it says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Next verse says this, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. I don't know why they can't have easy names like Ron Konkama in the Bible. This is, uh, it's like I'm hitting everyone today, which, uh, right? So here they've heard, she had heard what had happened and what God had done. So if we back up a little bit, we remember Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? They get to the Red Sea, they face inevitable death. Red Sea in front of them, mountains either side of them, huge Egyptian army behind them. Unsurprisingly, at that point, the Israelites start to freak out and they panic and they think, what is going to happen to us? And Moses gives them a simple message. He says this in Exodus 14. Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see them again. We, all, we know how that story continues. And again, if you don't, head over to Exodus 14. It's a great story to read over there too. Red Sea parts. They start walking through, start to get to the other side. Egyptians follow them. See, closes in on the Egyptians. The Egyptians drown. And that is the end of that story. And Rahab told the spies that she'd heard about that. And she remembered what their God was capable of. She knew what their God was capable of. And she knew what God did to those who stood in his way. And she goes on to confess this in Joshua 2.11. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. See, despite what her eyes could see, she lived in a city that to a lot of people would think there was no way that anybody could get into it, okay? The walls were about six feet deep, uh, thick, wide, and about 17 feet tall. But despite what she saw with her own eyes, she believed in God because she had heard what God had done before. See, faith always believes in God. Faith knows. It believes God despite all arguments. Rahab staked her whole future on the fact that she believed that God could do the impossible because he'd done it before. Common sense may have said it was hopeless. Common sense may have said there are no ways, that, no way that these Israelites are going to be able to take over this city with this huge wall around it. Common sense may have said it's just not happening. They're not an army. They're a group of people who have wandered around for 40 years. There's no way they're going to be able to do this. But the uncommon sense and faith saw beyond an impossible situation and it saw what God could do. It saw what God was capable of because he'd done it before, so I know that God can do it again. And this morning, I want to remind you of this. 
No matter how impossible whatever obstacle you are facing in life may look right now, remember what God has brought you through. Remember how God has blessed you in the past. Remember the miracles that you have seen before, and you say, you know what? God, right now, what I am looking at, I have no idea, no idea how I'm going to get through. But you're the God who's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's the God I serve. So I'm going to have faith that you will move this mountain in front of me. Common sense, human eye, not happening. Faith says, you know what, God, I know that you can do it because you've done it before. I'm believing that you can do it because you've done it in the past. I'm trusting that you can get me through this thing because you've done it over and over and over again. And that's what Rahab had. Psalm 121, he will not let your foot sleep, slip. He who watches over you will not slumber, sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This morning, a reminder, the God who kept the Israelites safe for 40 years, the God who in a second is going to do the incredible in this story, is the same God. Those children of Israel, they had the same God as we have here. Rahab, you know what? That's the same God as we serve. So the God who was able to do these incredible stories, and we've talked about a bunch of them over the past few weeks, is the Bible is full of them. But I love the fact that the same God who performed every miracle, every incredible feat in here, is the same God who is with me. And today it might be a good day for some of you to remember that. To remember that that's the same God who calls me a child as was the same God who delivered them. Second Corinthians says this, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So many of you in here have incredible testimonies and incredible stories, but so often it can be hard to say, well, he did that before, I don't know if he can do it again. And we need to remind ourselves, yes, he's delivered us before. Yes, he will deliver us again. Yes, he will keep delivering us. It may not be in the way that we think or the way we imagine. It may be in a completely different fashion than we could ever think of. But that's the same God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, okay? And we need to remember that he is there for us. Faith sees those things, and faith always believes God. Faith believes God against all arguments. Faith believes God no matter what my eyes see. Faith believes God no matter what my emotions are feeling. Faith believes God no matter what the devil is whispering my ear in the middle of the night. Faith believes that the same God who's done it before will do it again. And so the story continues. Joshua 2. Now then, Rahab is now talking to the two spies after she had said that they were um, hiding. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. 
Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. See, Rahab asked that in the light of her actions, in the light of her faith in God, she asked in the light of her kindness to the spies that her life and the life of her family be spared. And her faith actually would have an amazing impact on the lives of those that she loved. See, others are blessed when we believe. Because of her faith, because of her belief, we're about to find out this is what happens. So a red cord was hung from the window in her house, hung on the outside. Now, I'm a practical person, so I know God had to be involved somehow, because to my eye, if there's a red cord hanging there, surely all the Jericho people would have seen it too, but what do I know? This red cord is hung there to, no, to um, mark that this is her house. The fall of Jericho, another amazing story. Okay, so head to Joshua 5 and 6. Sorry, I'm throwing you all these things today, but it's, this is a great story to hear. So we have this huge city surrounded by these thick, thick walls, high walls. And so to summarize, this is what happens. The Israelites march around the city once a day for six days in complete silence. And then on the seventh day, they walk around seven times and then blew trumpets and yelled, and the walls came tumbling down. The walls fell down at that point. Now, here's the thing. I did some reading this week. Archaeologists have actually found the, the walls of Jericho, have found the city of Jericho. And here is the amazing part. Those walls did not just flop over sideways. Those walls did not break in all different ways. Those walls actually sank into the ground. The walls of Jericho they found, they are sunk right into the ground. I would assume, don't really know, then they could walk right over them instead of having to climb all this debris, whatever else. But they sunk into the ground. Except, and again, archaeologists have found this. There was one house in the city hall, city wall, that did not sink into the ground. Now, we have no way of knowing, well, we do know, because we have faith and we trust God. There was one house was protected. One house stayed standing. Out of all of that big city, one house was there. Rahab's house is stayed right there, still stayed standing. And that's the last of we hear of Rahab, actually, until we see her name. But Rahab and her family, when all of that came down, were kept safe. Her, sa her faith saved her household. And actually, if she had perished in Jericho, you start to think that the lineage starts to change in the Bible, and things would not be quite the way that we know them. And a, a lot of happened when there. So her faith had an impact, not just on her generation, on, on her immediate family, but there are generations to come that were impacted by the fact that she believed God, not with what her eyes had seen, but because of what she knew he had done in the past. 
And I just want to encourage some of you in here today. You may be worried about your family. You may be disappointed in things that you can see around you. And just to remind you that as we keep loving God, as we keep serving God, as we keep believing God, our actions actually ultimately will impact those dearest to us. I truly, truly believe that is the case. As we believe, others are going to be blessed. In Genesis 22, there's a great story of Abraham's faith and God's response to it. And it says this, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. The Bible is packed full of promises for the families of those who believed. And I just want to encourage you today, those promises apply to you. No matter what you see with your eye when it comes to your families, keep believing, keep praying, keep having faith that the God who made those promises, those are going to come to pass. Rahab came from nowhere and turned around the destiny of her own family. Rahab the prostitute, a label that she wore, actually had an impact on the lives of not just herself, on so many others. So just a reminder this morning, it's not who you are, it's who you can be. And it's who you will be. God wants to use you and make you a game changer. A reminder that faith always believes in God and that others will be blessed when we believe. What can we learn this morning from Rahab? Labels don't matter. What you've done does not matter. Where you've been does not matter. Who you are does not matter. Once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, all that is gone, you are a new creation. But we still need to remember, no matter what our eyes can see, no matter what our brain may be telling us, that God is capable of so much more than we could even ask or we could imagine. And just a reminder to all of you, as you believe, as you pray, as you are faithful, God's going to be faithful in the promises that he has for your family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you.